0: Why don't you take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. We're continuing our series on spiritual fruit and what God is producing in us uh, so that we're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And we've taken this whole series from uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 that says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and today we're looking at goodness. Goodness. We, we, I think we all want to be good. We all want to do good. But, but have you been good lately? Uh, Christmas is upon us. Uh, it is the season, right? I mean, some of you have already uh, busted out your Christmas tree and some uh, Christmas music. The the Chick Fil A peppermint milkshake comes out tomorrow. You're welcome for that information, by the way. So, so Christmas is here. This is the season where we're all kind of thinking about that, right? The whole uh, he's making a list and checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty and nice. So we, we all kind of look back on the year and we're kind of saying like, ah, oh, have I been good lately? Have you been good? You ever find like you're, you you feel like you're you're trying? to do good. I want to be good. I'm trying to do good. I just can't seem to do it. Uh, Paul actually, I love his honesty in scripture. He says the same thing. In in Romans chapter 7, there's this famous passage of scripture that just makes a lot of sense uh, to us. I want you to see this. He says this, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. You ever feel like Like there's, there's desire there? Like, I want to do good, but I just end up not doing it. And the reason Paul is telling us is that nothing good dwells in me. That is, in my flesh. It's not in me. When I walk out the door in the morning on my way to the office, I'm all uh, often um, uh, kind of giving like some last minute instructions to my kids. Part of that I think is just to kind of ease my conscience because I realize that I'm dumping the responsibility of four kids on my wife who is fully capable. She handles it great, but, but, but maybe it just kind of makes me feel better to feel like I'm actually doing something. And oftentimes as I'm walking out the door, I turn around, I just say to the kids one last time, be good. Be good. What I mean by that is I'm saying do good. Do what's right. Listen to your mom. Don't pile drive your sister. Eat whatever's on your plate. I want you to do good today. But the reason that they struggle, and uh, it's the same reason that we all struggle to do good, is because we aren't good. Goodness is not just about doing good, it's about being good, and therein lies my biggest problem. I am not good. I'm not. In fact, Romans 3, verse 10 tells me this. It says, No one is righteous, no, not one, which kind of flies in the face of uh, uh, some popular opinions and what people teach. People say this all the time, like, Oh, he's a good guy, or, or she's got a good heart, or, or, or he's a good person. The Bible says, No, I'm not. I'm a sinner. I am not good, and you aren't either. There's not one person here on this earth that is good. Jesus uh, agrees with this. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 19, he says, no one is good except God alone. Did you catch that? He's, he's helping me understand my theologies, I'm not good. But then he says something significant about God. God is good. So as we start to think about goodness, we have to start there. God is good. Like, that's like basic theology. Everybody knows that, right? God is good all the time, all the time. God's good. We all know that. But, but maybe when we say that, I feel like we may need to uh, kind of rescue that word because the the, the word good just kind of seems like a, a vanilla descriptor. Like, it's not all that big of a deal. Like, we, we, we like uh, uh, superlatives. Like, we, we like better or best, right? This is, so that almost makes good uh, sometimes seem almost like a bad thing. Like, it especially uh, uh, becomes important that you watch your tone when you're saying it. Like Like, the guy that says to his wife, yeah, you look good is probably sleeping on the couch versus the guy that says, baby, you look good, right? Like he's trying to kick it up a notch to to try to give that word some, some real meaning, some sustenance there. Uh, many of you have probably read uh, the classic leadership book from Jim Collins, Good to Great, in which he actually argues that good is the enemy of great. And so that word good then, in, in a lot of ways, it, it becomes a bad thing. It's something that we, we, don't, we don't want that. We want, we want what's best, right? And, and so, so, so good, maybe at best, then the, the, the word good uh, is just more like eh to us. So, we need to make sure that we understand that when we're saying God is good, that's a really good thing. It would be a massive mistake for us to just be ho hum about that reality. God is good. God is good is a theological truth that should stir our hearts to worship Him. He is good. We want to let's recover that definition of that word. So so biblically, when we say good, good means whatever gets a thumbs up from God. Good is whatever gets a thumbs up from God. The the theologian Wayne Grudem says it's whatever God approves. Not what we approve, but what he approves because he knows what is worthy of approval. When, when, When God looks at something and says, yep, that's good, that settles it because he knows. Now watch this. He himself is the standard of what is worthy of approval, what is good. There's, there's nothing that is greater or more worthy of approval than him. He is perfect and therefore he is the ultimate, the standard of what, he, what is good. It's who he is and it's what he does. His goodness is displayed in his character, in his attributes, everything about him. And it's displayed in his actions. All that he's done in creation and the way that he works and what he's doing and the way that he's treated us. God is good and God does good. And since he is the judge, he's the one that knows, right? Like he is omniscient in his infinite wisdom... What that means is this, God approves of himself. He gives himself a thumbs up and everything that is consistent with his character. That, that, that he, he looks at everything that, that reflects his goodness and he's saying, that that's good. And he doesn't need us to fact check him on, it's just the truth. In fact, as you think about the uh, what, what he's revealed to us about himself and his word, and you think about it logically, you're going to come to the same conclusion. You're going to realize that like, he's not wrong. He is good. He is not evil. He does not do evil. He never does evil. He always does what is right and what is good every single time. And everything about him, everything, the way he is like, it's all good all the way to the core of his being. God is good. So what we've determined then is God is good, but I am not. When I think about who I am and what I've done, it never meets that standard. I always fall short. Even my righteousness, God's word it says, is like a polluted garment. It's not good. And so the gospel tells me that because God is good, he is just. And because he's just, I should be punished as a rebellious sinner. But the gospel also tells me that because God is good, he is loving and merciful, and gracious, and so much so that he sent his son, and Jesus died on the cross in my place to satisfy the just wrath of God so that I could be forgiven. And now this is where this really gets significant. He makes me good. Romans 5 says it this way, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. I am made righteous before God because I am given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not mine, it's His. He makes me good. He has changed my heart so that goodness is the fruit that He is producing in me. Any good in my life is actually God's goodness at work in me coming out. It's it's His goodness. And so... Uh, here, here's what we've said so far then. I want to do good, but I'm not good. But God is good, and he makes me good so that I can do good, even though it's really all his goodness. I just want us to grow in in appreciation and awe of the goodness of God and that we would begin to reflect that we would live like Him, uh, like His character in, in our actions and in our reactions, the way we live, so that this world that is full of evil and darkness is going to see the glorious light of the goodness of God that's shining through us. In fact, that's the big idea that I want to give you before we look at it in Ephesians chapter five. Take notes, here's here's the big idea this morning. In Christ, you can do what is good and that goodness will shine in the dark. In Christ, you can do what is good and that goodness will shine in the dark. Let me show this to you. Ephesians chapter five, I want to start reading in uh, verse five. Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse five, he says this, for you may be sure of this, is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. you got this. You got this theme of, of light versus darkness, good versus evil. And he begins to try to describe to us men and women who are evil. They, 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 they are not good. And they're living with what he says, the, the unfruitful works of darkness. And kind of clarifies that in verse 5. That's um, what he says is like immorality and impeachness. Purity and and idolatry, covetousness. Man, that describes what our what our culture is living in, right? That our culture loves to just give into their lusts and distort God's good design and 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 celebrate things that are shameful and reject God and, and chase after all sorts of other things besides Him to satisfy. And, and what God's word is saying here in Ephesians chapter five, He's saying they are not part of God's kingdom and they're going to come under the wrath of God because they're sinners. But look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. This is really significant. For at one time, you were darkness. This used to be true of you too. This was your life before Jesus. You were living in darkness and you loved it. Even though that darkness is evil and destructive, you hated the light. You didn't want to submit to God. You didn't want him. You didn't want to submit to what he said was good. You wanted to define good for yourself and do what you wanted. And well, guess what? You got what you wanted. And you realized it wasn't good. It didn't get a thumbs up. It didn't live up to the height. Because living in darkness is miserable. He's saying that's who you were, but that's not who you are anymore. Now you are light in the Lord, you're not living in darkness, you have been transferred into the kingdom of light. So live like it. He says walk as children of light. This is the first of two commands I wanna give you here to really be good. Here's the first command if you're taking notes. Live in light of who you are in the Lord. Live in light of who you are in the Lord. Walk as children of light, he says, because you are light in the Lord. This is who you are, so live like it. But notice, it's not your light, it's the light of Christ. This is so significant. You are light in the Lord in the lord his righteousness has been imputed to you it's his goodness he has made you good see being in christ makes all the difference doesn't it it's his righteousness you can do good now because you are good in the lord and all of our good works when we're when we're living out this goodness it's in the lord it's not our own inherent goodness it's our it's it's not our power it's his power at work in us it's his goodness in Luke chapter 6, Jesus told us that, that you can know a tree by its fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. The problem was, apart from Jesus, my heart is not good. But in Christ, Jesus has changed my heart so that now what's coming out is it's not evil, but it's his goodness. And so if there's anything in my life, if there's anything in your life that is good, that reflects the character of God, we can't take credit for it. He is producing that fruit in us and he's empowering us to be like him, which is why he can command us and say to us, do good, be holy. Because all of the biblical imperatives flow out of the gospel indicatives. All of the commands to do are because of what Christ has done. And and you used to love darkness, he's saying, but not anymore. He made you a child of light. You belong to him. You used to be a a slave to sin, like you couldn't do good. You were trapped in this sin, but, but you're not a slave anymore. He has set you free so that you can live for him. Now, you may still struggle like we saw it in Romans chapter 7. Paul was just kind of admitting that. Even as a believer, you're going you're to really wrestle with this, and you're going to try to live this out, and, but you're not under condemnation anymore. And now you're going to start to see the victory. You're going to see progressively how God is working and growing and maturing you over time. You don't love darkness anymore because the love of Christ is in you. You have new desires when he's saying, live in light of who you are in the Lord. Can I ask you, just be honest, be honest with yourself. What sin have you been struggling with lately? Has it been something that you're kind of like wrestling with that you know, like this, this, this isn't right. This isn't good. Verse nine says the fruit of light is is found in all that is good and right and true, and that's that's contrasted with all those works of darkness. And you know the immediate context that those works of darkness, verse five, where that was the immorality, the impurity, the idolatry, the coveting. But before even that, when if you look back into chapter four, uh, he's listing off all sorts of other things, all these other uh, uh, the, these sins that we need to put off, and they're relational sins like like lying and 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 anger and stealing and tearing people down with our words and bitterness and and being un kind of being unforgiving Do you see any of these remnants of darkness from your former life still in your actions lately Sometimes I feel like sin is like glitter I think I've shared with you my disdain for gl- I hate glitter. In fact, my kids know it. Uh, they, they think it's funny. And JC uh, thinks it's hilarious when I get covered in glitter from all of her princess dresses. And sometimes she'll even sit next to me on the couch and just rub her uh, princess dress with all this glitter. And it's just getting all over me. And, and you know, it's, it's cute. I'm not getting angry at her. But they know I hate glitter. And the reason I hate glitter is because it feels like it doesn't come off. Like, like You can shower every single day and two weeks later you still have a piece of glitter on your face. Like, how? But sometimes sin feels like that. Like, how have I not gotten rid of this already? Why is this still in my life? Why am I struggling with this? Maybe, Maybe it's been impurity. Maybe it's lust. Maybe you've gotten into arguments over politics lately and been kind of prideful contentious, unkind with with your tone or with your words. And maybe you, you've been discontent with what you have and complaining about your circumstances and what the Lord has allowed into your life and what you're really going through. I like, I don't know what it is, but but what what's what's that sin that you've seen in your life recently? I have to look at my life and say, man, that's that's not good. It's not good like God is good. And I want to confess that. If you've got that sin in your life, let let, let me let me tell you something really important right now. You are not defined by that sin. That's not who you are anymore. You belong to Jesus Christ, and so you're forgiven in him, and he's the one who's going to enable you to live in light of who you are in him. But that leads us to our second command, if you're taking notes. Note this. Learn what is good so that you can please the Lord. Learn what is good so that you can please the Lord. You see that right there in verse 10. You see that verse 10? He says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That word, try to discern, that's one word in the Greek. It means to to examine or to test, to learn, to, to judge what is right, what is worthy of approval, what is good. And how do you know that? How do you know what's good? How do you know what's right? Well, it's the Word of God. The Word of God is what gives us wisdom to be able to discern what is good. We have to be asking that question. Is this good? Is this good? And the only way we would know is by reading our Bibles. That's why Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said, The sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. Like, if you want to know what is good, how do I live that out? The wisdom is going to be required. We've got to be in God's Word. This is why we give so much attention to our Bibles. And I know many of you are already reading. Can I just encourage you? Keep reading. Keep reading every single day. Surround yourself with Scripture. Get God's Word into your mind, into your soul if your bible's been collecting dust lately you find yourself kind of uh, you know spending uh, some of your downtime on more like sleep or or watching stuff in media or other pursuits like you're you're going to be more influenced by the darkness around you and you're not going to be able to discern what is pleasing to the lord i want to learn i want to be able to discern be able to test it and know what pleases god what is it that pleases God? In fact, that, that word to please, that, that word is the same word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. If you don't have this one committed to memorize, memorization, you want this one. 2 Corinthians 5 9 says, We make it our aim to please him. That's the question. Does this please the Lord? That needs to be the deciding factor on all of my decisions in life. And and when when I evaluate how I'm acting, how I'm reacting, what I'm saying, what I'm doing, how I'm spending my time, my aim, my goal is is, is not just to, to be happy or to just get what I want. My ultimate goal that drives everything and defines everything about my life is I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. That's what I want. And the gospel helps me understand, I didn't want that until Jesus changed my heart. And now I'm done with lesser pursuits, lesser desires. I want him. And and I want to be full, so full of his goodness that that goodness just comes out in my life. That that because of what he's done in us, we can please God. That's a crazy thought, by the way. C.S. Lewis said it this way, that, that we get to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness. Think about this. God doesn't need us to be happy. Because he is perfect... He is the ultimate standard of what is good, what is worthy of approval. And so therefore, he is fully satisfied, fully happy with himself, and rightly so. And yet, part of the reason that God is smiling today is because his children have learned to do What is good? Walking by his spirit, by the strength and the power that he supplies so that we display the fruit of the light, he says. And and when we're displaying the fruit of the light, when this goodness is coming out, it's his goodness on display, it is going to shine in the dark and even expose it. God, I pray that you would do this work in us. We want to be good. Lord, make us good. Let us, let us attend to our soul and our heart right now. Just open it up and just, Lord, if there's something in here that's not right, that's not good, that's not worthy of approval, would you reveal that to us? Would you bring conviction to us in that? Lord, we thank you for your goodness where, where we can be forgiven because you're kind, because you're merciful, merciful because you're, you're gracious. You are a good God. And so because we've experienced that, we we come and we confess our sin knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we praise you for that. And we want to be like you. Would you change our desires so that we want you more than we want sin? As we grow in our love for Jesus, we'll be full of your goodness and it's just going to come out and... Everything we say, everything we do, the way we spend our time, all of our actions, all of our reactions, people are going to see goodness in the fruit of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.